to ClaytonPub.com. Alpine Credits, where homeowners get approved. Hi, I'm looking to upgrade my kitchen. Bathroom, Mom. We need an extra bathroom. Emily, hang up. Ugh, this is so unfair. <sighs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I need a loan for some home reno. on a Monday, not quite the energy levels we were looking to hit to start off the week on a morning drive show. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say a dog pick this one. I'm going to, I actually quite like this. Yeah, I like it. It's a fine song. Chuck Mangione. Yeah. But, and then the Canucks lost again. The song's called Tyler Myers and OEL are on the ice again. I will reiterate. Our job is to lift Increase the energy levels in the AM. We're all about coffee and stressing out on your drive to work. Isn't there a case? White knuckling it. Isn't there a case to be made that part of our job should be soothing the listeners as well when least, it comes to the right house? Yeah. There's yeah. lots of parts of our job that we don't do. That's true. Pronunciation, mm-hmm. grammar. Show up every day. Clock management. Getting basic facts right. None of it. None of it we do with regularity. But that was a nice tune. Thank you very much. Myers has the puck again. Oh, God. He doesn't anymore. You're just looking for excuses to sing now, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, it's in the net. This is what it's about. Uh, You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program is now underway. Tyler, your Chuck from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff going to join us in a second here. Uh, hour three of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the interwebs at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, to the phone lines we go, we may be well, we kind of are. But maybe, maybe we're at that schadenfreude point of the season for the Canucks where things are going so poorly, we have to project and look for other teams that are doing poorly as well and take joy in their suffering. Yeah, it's a dark thing, but this is the Halford and Bruff Show you're listening to. So without further ado, from Edmonton, Tyler Uremchuk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Tyler. How are you? What if we just like didn't talk about these bad teams? Let's just talk about other stuff that makes us happy. I right? know. We have thought about that. We spent an hour talking about the NFL and I was happy. I was I was I said as a Seahawks fan, like my level of contentment is so high yeah. with how this year is gone. But then there's that self loathing part of me that's like, now we have to talk about the local hockey squadron. And now you have yeah. to talk about your local hockey squadron, who after snapping a lengthy losing streak at home. Got right back to their losing ways, albeit in a closer fashion on the weekend against Colorado. Now, I, I, I read a bunch of articles in the aftermath, and one was like the Oilers must trade for Jacob Chickering. Another one said that this this avalanche game had a bunch of red flags around it for Ken Holland. I feel like the Oilers fan base is a little bit on tilt right now with where their team is currently at. Oh, yeah, they, they definitely are, and it's been that way for a while. And I also think that there's always, you know, a little bit more fire added into things when you do stuff like this on home ice, right? When the building's full on a Saturday night and you blow a two nothing lead. And it's not like, ah, the Oilers just happened to blow a two nothing lead to the ads. Like it's a one-off. Well, no, because on Tuesday you blew a two nothing lead 
to the Seattle Kraken. And as you guys remember, back on December 23rd, the Oilers blew a 2-0 lead to the Vancouver Canucks on home ice. So when this stuff is happening at Rogers Place on home soil, there's a little bit of extra anger in the fan base. There's 18,000 people who are like, hey, I paid good money to watch you guys, and you did that in front of my eyes. If it's on the road, I think a lot of people sometimes just say, oh, go to bed and forget about it. Um, So there definitely is some fire in the fan base, and as there should be. There's no reason why a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl should be 10, 11, and 2 on home ice. That is absolutely brutal. You'd think when you have last change with the amount of high-end skill the Oilers have, you would just dominate the matchup game, and those two guys would take over on a nightly basis. And it hasn't been the case this year. Why not? What's the issue? There are a lot of issues. And actually, despite the fact I just talked about how you'd think with the two, two of the best players in the world, you'd win more on home ice, the real issue has just been defending. Part of it, if you go back earlier in the year on home ice, was Jack Campbell and his poor play between the pipes. Um, but they basically didn't start him at home for like seven weeks because I think they were worried about what another bad home outing and what the crowd may be getting on him would do for his confidence. But it's honestly, it's just defending. They, are, they do not have a good enough blue line. Darnell Nurse, for the most part this season, has been brutal. He's shown some flashes as of late of being better, and I think his game is trending in the right direction. But as a whole, he is not where he needs to be. Evan Bouchard, everyone expected him to take a step forward and be this bona fide top four young defenseman. Okay, well, now he's taken a step backwards, and he's barely a third-pairing quality D-man. Guys like Cody Cece and Tyson Berry have been good this year, although Cece's been a little inconsistent as of late. And then the left side on the third pairing has been Philip Broberg, Marcus Niemelainen, or Ryan Murray. And, I mean, none of those guys are, again, bona fide NHLers at this point. They're just kind of fringe pieces. So the blue line is not good enough. And I think the reason why they're blowing these leads is because for kind of the first period in a little bit, yeah, their, their blue line can hang on and it's good enough. But as teams get more and more chances up the ice and hem the Oilers into their own end more and more times throughout the game, this blue line folds like a cheap tent. God, that sounds familiar. Do the Oilers have anything in the pipeline for defensemen? Because one of the frustrating things for Canucks fans is not only is the blue line a massive issue, like it seems to be in Edmonton, there isn't much coming. Yeah, I think for the Oilers, you're looking at Philip Broberg, who's here, and Marcus Niemelainen, who's here. And you see these guys, and like they're close. Philip Broberg has some really, really good games where he'll play like 12 minutes at five on five. The other team won't get a shot on net. It's like, okay, more of that. But the issue is the Oilers are in this win-now mode. They should be acting as Stanley Cup contenders, a team that has that kind of an aspiration in year eight or nine of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So I like Broberg. I like Niemelainen. I think down the line, even next season, you can probably count on one of those guys to play an everyday role. But the issue is when you need them to take on more minutes because Darnell Nurse is struggling, they're just not capable of it. And they can usually do enough to survive on most nights, but they're not doing enough to thrive. And what the Oilers need on that third pairing with Evan Bouchard is someone like they had in Duncan Keith last season who could give that veteran leadership, who could break up a cycle in his own end consistently. And they just don't have that right now. So the future pieces are there with Broberg and Niemelainen, but for where the Oilers are right now as an organization and for what they need, they don't need guys who are going to be good next year. They need guys who are really impactful right now, and they don't have that. What is Ken Holland going to do about it? Is there much he can do about it? Well, he's got to make a trade. Like, I, I know there were reports that the team wants to see what they have in Philip Broberg 
over the next kind of four to five weeks here before really making a decision. But I just think that's flat out foolish. I, you can't go in to a playoff push. Again, a playoff push where you are hoping and expecting to be one of the final four teams left in the league again. You don't do that with a rookie playing on your left side and a guy who's played 140 games, not even in the NHL, and Evan Bouchard playing on your right side. You need more experience. Ken Holland has to go make a trade for more experience. But when you look at the market right now, it's too early to do that because the Blue Jackets apparently want a first-round pick for Vladislav Gavrikov. That seems like a wild overpay. And then you have the Montreal Canadiens apparently want a first-round pick plus for Joel Edmondson. Like Those are two players who fit the mold of what the Oilers need, but it's going to cost so much right now that you need to wait till closer to the deadline when the market will hopefully, for Ken Holland's sake, kind of cool off. So right now, he has to kind of sit on his hands and not do much because I don't think he can make a foolish, oh yeah, first round pick in Broberg for a rental kind of move because I don't think that's going to fully solve the issue. You need to pay less or you need to aim higher. Maybe Jacob Chikrin is the answer. Hey, Tyler, how much does it get discussed in Edmonton that after this season, there's only two years left of Dreisaitl's contract before he can become a UFA and there's only three years of McDavid? Yeah, it gets discussed a lot, and that's why a big portion of the fan base and, I mean, a part of the media as well, and I'll include myself in that, is saying you're done. If you're Ken Holland, you got to be done holding on to the first-round picks. He hasn't moved one since he became GM. He's held on to his first-round pick every single trade deadline. That's got to stop. You have enough forwards coming up through the pipeline with Holloway and Borgo and Reed Schaefer, who you picked in the first round last year. On the blue line, you have some young pieces, like I said, with Broberg, Niemelainen, and Bouchard and a bunch of other guys who are signed for the next couple of seasons. You have zero need to draft prospects right now. You need to use those first-round picks as currency to make the active roster as good as you can. So there is that sense of urgency. The fan base is fully aware that after this season, like you said, only two more years of this dynamic duo being under contract for only $21 million because you see the contracts that are going out around the league. Leon Dreisaitl's next deal is not going to cost you $8.5 million it's probably going to cost you, if the cap goes up, $10 million in that time. It's going to cost you almost double that. So there is pressure on the Oilers to make some hay and on Ken Holland to start acting like a GM who is managing a cup-contending roster. Even if it's not a cup-contending roster, because I don't think it is, Ken Holland needs to act like it is. Because what did we see last year with this team? Even with average goaltending from Mike Smith, or I won't call it average, inconsistent goaltending from Mike Smith, even with a blue line that wasn't perfect, McDavid and Dreisaitl, will you more or less single-handedly, to the conference finals. So if those two get hot, you can still do damage in the playoffs. Holland needs to give those two players all the support he can. Jack Campbell, Stuart Skinner. Um, I know you kind of briefly mentioned Jack Campbell's struggles. Is Stuart Skinner just like, does everyone just consider him the starter now in Edmonton? Yeah, I think you. if you could ask me that question again, please say Stuart Skinner's name first because he is the number one really right. for this team. There's no question about it. And I'll call myself out on this because I was on your show over the summer, towards the end of the summer, and the line I said was, I like the signing of Jack Campbell because the floor of this goaltending got raised. The good points might not be as good, but I said the bad points with Campbell won't be as bad as the bad points of Koskinen or Smith. And boy, was I wrong about that because the bad points for Campbell and it's basically been one giant bad point through the first three and a half months of the season it's been absolutely terrible and he's not even in my opinion really showing a lot of signs of turning this thing around as of late so the team's gonna have to lean on 24 year old Stuart Skinner the good news is 
Stuart Skinner has shown this year that he's more than capable of handling this workload. When he has had bad games, like his most or his second most recent outing against the Seattle Kraken, where he was yanked, gave up four goals on 20 shots, he's almost always shown an ability to bounce back the next night. And he did that against Colorado. He was tremendous in that game, even though they lost in overtime. They probably lose that game 7-2 in regulation if Jack Campbell's starting it. And I know that's maybe a little harsh, and I don't mean to pile on the guy, but the point is, this is Jack Campbell's crease, and I really don't see that changing. Hey, Tyler, one final question. Um, handicap the Oilers' chances of making the playoffs, because we were talking about this earlier in the show. Um, Colorado's currently on the outside looking in. I think most people assume that they're going to figure it out, whether they get healthier or they add something big at the trade deadline. Just I don't know if that's proper to do that, but I think most people think, yeah, the Avs are going to find a way into the eight playoff spots in the conference, which means one of the teams is going to have to drop out. It could very well be the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, yeah, it could, because for whatever reason, the Seattle Kraken don't seem to want to slow down at all. I still have my reservations about the LA Kings, and I know they're in that second spot in the division right now, and they're seven points up on the Oilers, but the Oilers have two games in hand on them, and, and I don't trust that Kings goaltending, or I wouldn't if I was a Kings fan. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of sputtered out a little bit at some point, but I do think the most likely scenario is one of Edmonton or Calgary miss. And the Oilers don't have another head-to-head game against the Calgary Flames, so that's maybe not great. But the one reason I'll be a little optimistic about the Oilers and their chances is they play their own division a ton down the stretch. Right now, amongst all teams in the Pacific, the Oilers have played within the division the least out of everybody. And you look at the schedule ahead. For them this week, it's the big Western road trip. They go L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Vegas. And then next week, they got Seattle and Vancouver. So. Mm-hmm. Five or sorry, six games against the Pacific Division in the next two weeks. I will say right now the Oilers' playoff chances are 50-50. But if these next two weeks go well and they show that they can play with some desperation and if they play like their playoff lives are on the line, if these next two weeks go well and they win, I mean, say they win five of six here, I, I'd say their chances probably go up 15-20% just because you would gain so much ground on the teams around you. But if these next two weeks go bad, Ooh, there's going to be some dark conversations happening in Alberta's capital. Hey, Tyler, thanks for joining us today. We needed that. We needed to hear that there are other teams in the NHL that are struggling right now. And yeah, why don't what... you, uh, if, if things aren't going well for the Canucks fan base, start fielding like McDavid trade proposals, and you guys can just keep piling on Edmonton. That's all good. Okay. Feels so much better now. Thanks, Thank you. bud. Thanks this for that, great. Tyler. Have a good thanks. one, Tyler. Thanks, man. Yeah, see you guys. Take care. Uh, Tyler, you're I'm Chuck from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Why don't we do um, a a couple of our what we learns right now, and then that'll set the stage for the final half hour of the program where we turn it over to the humanoids. A reminder, you can get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. It is the SMALT alternative. Hashtag it WWL. And tell us what you learned over the last 96 hours in sports. Can I start? Yeah. I learned that uh, Connor Bedard had a nice little return to the dub. He's good at hockey. Uh, Yesterday, uh, he, of course, plays for the Regina Pats. Mm -hmm. And he scored four goals and added two assists. Is that all? In a 6-2 win. He's on a bit of a Over the Calgary Hitmen. So he was in on all the goals. 
the the Regina Pats scored four goals, two assists, and a six two win. Yeah, I think he, he was in on all six. I think he, if he wasn't in on all the goals, that would be more news. True. He is up to seventy points in twenty nine games yep. for the Pats this season. Those are like minor hockey numbers, aren't they? Like they, yeah. in my Adam year, I scored one hundred and fourteen points in twelve games. I know we had the right. generational argument already on the show last uh-huh. week, but like he's. He is, he is a talent I've never seen before, mm-hmm. and I've been watching hockey my entire life. So this is, He's pretty I, good. <laughs> this isn't my what we learned, but I know since we're on the topic of WHL, did you guys see that wild Blazers trade yesterday? There's where, some uh, insane <laughs> trades in the in the CHL. Are there was one for uh, uh, Renee Zellweger's uh, son <laughs> yeah, as well, too. Yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah. was the, that was the Blazers trade. Honestly, it looked like a grocery. It looked like a grocery store receipt. I laughed. Well, a lot the Giants of made a huge trade. Well, as well. Okay, Laddie, you work in junior hockey. One, are there any rules? Because it seems like you can just trade. Uh, picks in perpetuity, if you like, like they're they're getting into like twenty thirty. The Silver Tips received ten picks. Yeah, like that does, it's ten picks. More you so, you see that. that in the OHL. They do. They love the like twenty twenty eight first round pick trades. I don't understand it, but they just they give them away like candy. I guess because these GMs realize they're not going to be there in twenty. I guess. So. It, yeah, it just seems like you're really hem- <laughs> hemorrhaging your future when you trade eleven first round drafts. Oh yeah, Jim Benning is trade. the WHL commissioner. <laughs> well, the Shane, yeah, but they just go all in. The Shane right. Wright yeah, trade yeah. was huge. He it's got fun, traded though. to London. It is. Yeah, no, it's great that they can do it. I just wonder if there's any rules. Like, so right, like right did get traded. It looks like oh, I, last I saw it was okay. Right. So for example, yeah. the, we'll stick with the one closest to home is the the Giants traded Ostapchuk, right? Yeah, and that they that three netted first round three picks. first round picks in return. Yeah. So 20, 2024, 2025, and twenty twenty six first round picks plus a player they can have as a twenty year old next season. And another prospect. So well, if, how much does that have to do with the fact that the Memorial Cups and Camlers? Well, they're going all out for yeah. it. They, they've, they've absolutely hemorrhaged their future just right. to have a team that's mm-hmm. Memorial so Cup quality. The next logical yeah. question is, is if you wanted to trade junior hockey style for Connor Bedard, if you wanted to get him out of Regina, would you have to forfeit your entire franchise? Like, can you go above and beyond? I don't know. You would trade the entire team for Bedard and he would just be out there by himself. What was the, wasn't there a team where they were going to trade all of their draft picks for somebody? Like, yeah. Can you do that? Can you well, just trade all of That's what I'm your, wondering. Yeah. Like, Because I know a lot one. of these owners, there, some of them are fairly like uh, accomplished businessmen. Like, would they have to dip into their own private reserve? Like, my chain of Dairy Queens, I will give you... <laughs> For Connor Bedard, like what? At what point do the I rules? I'll give you six subway franchises. Yeah, we're throwing in a moxies. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> that would be amazing if that became the currency of the day. It's I like think fine. I got you can have my lumber mill, but like I, I do wonder, right? Because the the prices are astronomical. Don't get me wrong. I'm on board with this. I would love for the NHL to go down this road, right? But the NHL should, should make it so you could trade literally anything. Yeah, anything it doesn't have to be in, uh, in in the game of hockey. If you own something, you can yeah. trade it as part of your Like deal. I think all the teams should be you paying. You own a rocket ship? We need, need more coach the trades. We need more coach trades and, for one. Yeah, and you should like, be able to pay players in non-traditional means. You can throw in mascots. Right? You should be able to buy them a house. Give us a moo cow on this topic because <laughs> we're <laughs> getting crazy. You should also mention Zach Ostopchik was the player that was shipped out of Vancouver, by the way. The, the world junior yeah. star. Yeah, I mentioned He's, that. Uh, did you say his name? Yeah. I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I heard the pick <laughs> conversation. Twice, 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 Are you actually listening to the show today? <laughs> no, or just... I, I don't actually listen to you. Okay. I uh, found this interesting stat. The Canucks have been scored on the most in 31 years. Who tweeted years. that? Yeah, who sure. tweeted that? Well, I did, and I also just said it. Some guy <laughs> tweets that. Tweets a lot, though. I don't know. He, um, a lot of things. Anyone yeah. else have a what we learned? I do, yes. And he, well, we both do. Yeah, okay. Do you, what, do you have a shared My, mine, what we Mine's quick. It's, I just learned, because I honestly didn't know this. I've learned, and there's audio to go along with this, that J.J. Watt plays hockey yeah and he's actually really really good at it yep here's him explaining it to a teammate so if i put you in giant ass uh 
what are those shoes called they wear? Skates. Ice skates. I, I couldn't think of it. Anyways, okay. No, I'm not. I just, it lost my, I skipped my mind. If I put you in giant ass ice skates, if I put you in those giant ass ice skates, could you ride around, could you, could you skate around on ice? Yes. No. You'd look like a moose on ice. Feet and knees going everywhere. You want to go skating? How, where are we going to go skating here in Arizona? No. What if we fell through? We're not going on a We're going on a pond. Uh, so that was from the in-season hard knocks that they have on the Arizona Cardinals, mm. which basically turned its focus to Watt because that was his last game. Like, he grew up in retired. Wisconsin, right? And played. He, he, he has played, an elite prospects.com. Yeah, he played like, <laughs> re, yeah. he he played like rep hockey. Well, so does Shania was, Twain, I think. Too. Is he, could, right? Can he play defense? Could the Canucks sign him? He well, that would be amazing. He is a three-time <laughs> defensive player of the year, so yeah. that would be great. Can you imagine running into no. a man of that size? He's six on five, two ninety. Yeah, he would murder someone. On My the life yeah. would be over. Yeah, but he played rap hockey till he was like fourteen or something. That's terrifying. To yeah. just... Your life is over working the show. Like you know, like you kind of packed it in when, well, yeah. you, when you accepted a spot that, on this. So. That was day one. Yeah, that was day one. <laughs> uh, give us a mukau on that, laddie. Do you have one? I do. There was another great torts quote the other day. Did you guys hear his little uh, was back this on and the All Star game? No, this is no. just a reporter with a, a, a pretty benign question. I, <laughs> Go ahead. It's not that difficult to comprehend, but Torts had some real trouble with it. Here is the back and forth. John, how do you think the power play adjusts to changing personnel? Uh, somebody that's typically on the unit isn't there. What? How do you think they adjust when somebody that's typically on the unit is set? I don't know how to answer your questions. I'm not trying to be rude, but you're qu- I just can't get to your questions. There's, I like that. Yeah. I cannot get, but I cannot wrap my head around. <laughs> I love the what. what you just what? what? Yeah, I think so, I know what you're saying, but what? I'm not going to spend the, a lot of time what, trying to figure it out. The what reminded me of another clip that I saw. Uh, R.I.P. Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just passed away recently. Somebody oh, posted it. Yeah. <laughs> somebody posted an interview with. I guess she did an interview with Donald Sterling's mistress. Yes, that's correct. And I she know was exactly ex- where you're explaining going. the names that she have she has with Donald. It just very reminded me of this clip of, of Torts. His silly rabbit. His what? <laughs> what? And no, then here's miss- Torts. What? <laughs> you're missing the Torts, uh, your silly rabbit. My what? Why do you want to play the whole clip? Greg, no, no, Greg's early cut. You missed the best part of that whole thing. Because then Barbara Walters goes, did he really call you his silly rabbit? She goes, no. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> do I have to find that clip now? She was, I don't remember her name. I think it was V. I think it wasn't a yeah. name. I think it was an initial. Anyway, Donald Sterling's girlfriend slash mistress did a sit-down interview with Barbara Walters where she tried to explain, among other things, that even though being uh, blatantly racist, Donald Sterling was not blatantly racist. So yeah, He was a good guy. So then she went, she's like, what's your relationship with Donald Sterling? <laughs> it is one of the greatest back and forths in interview history. Can you play the whole thing? Okay, play it. I'm Mr. Sterling everything. I'm his confidant, his best friend, his silly rabbit. His what? His silly rabbit. His silly rabbit? Yes. Is that what he calls you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Give us a moo cow on that. A well-deserved ah, moo cow. Okay. Get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. It is the smart alternative Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Butus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Just a reminder that we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. 
Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews, find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Get your What We Learns in. We'll read them on the other side. Last half hour of the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. His silly rabbit. His what? I'm Mr. Sterling Everything. I'm his confidant, his best friend, his silly rabbit. What? Torts then asked, does he really call you that? You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Apparently you were listening to the Halford and Bruff Show during the commercials as well. My mistake. No, 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 it's fine. So we got caught with a hot mic for, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds. Nothing of consequence was said, thankfully. I had a bunch of rants I wanted to go on too. Um, but it's so, it's so endearing and so richly rewarding to know that the listenership loves us because people text in en masse warning us. They're like, guys, please don't say anything. You're on a hot mic. We got about 25 to 30 texts. Just hot mic, hot mm-hmm. mic, hot mic. It's nice. Because if I was out there in listener land, I'd be like, no. Let them talk their way into a dismissal. I just would have sat and waited. Just wait and wait and wait. But thank you, all that. It's, it's very nice of you. Uh, shall we do some What We Learns now? Can I do, real quick, it's Black Monday in the NFL. Oh, okay. They're not selling anything. Right. <laughs> Toasters. No. Um, the coaching updates. So Bill Belichick has announced that he is back okay. with the New England Patriots. Um, the Denver Broncos are interviewing, honestly, I think everybody in the NFL. You know who might be an interesting candidate there is Dan Quinn. Yeah. They officially applied to um, interview him once his season is done with the Dallas Cowboys. Currently the defensive coordinator, of course, Russell Wilson. Knows Dan Quinn very well. But I wonder if the Broncos would be like, you know what, Russ, we're, we're not going to actually let you have any say in anything. <laughs> You're not even allowed to meet the guy until he shows up <laughs> for his first day of work. So Dan Campbell, no, Dan Campbell, Dan Quinn, uh, D'Amico Ryans, who's defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. That's mm-hmm. obviously a marquee guy because of how good that San Fran's. Sean Payton, obviously. Sean Payton, yeah. I feel and- like Harbaugh wants to go to the NFL. Yeah, I was reading something that it was like, it sounded like Carolina had reached out to him, but then it was like, wait a minute, I think he might have reached out to Carolina yeah, just to get his name back in the mix. So Harbaugh, Peyton, I got a feeling that they'll both be employed. Um, someone's got to work in Houston because Lovey <laughs> Smith got fired yesterday. So now Houston, for the first time since the AFL-NFL merger, yeah. will have a fourth head coach for the fourth <laughs> consecutive year. I Real quick. I bet the answer is 0%. What percent chance do you think you could of naming all six coaches in Houston Texans history? Because they've only been around for 20 years now. They've had six different coaches. I'll give you, you could even try and name half. Bill O'Brien. Yep, the butt chin. Uh, was Wade Phillips? Bum. Yeah, he was there Bum, for a bit. Yeah. Bum, uh, son of Bum. That's pretty God, good. You know what? I honestly can't even remember the guy they had last year. What was his name? David Cully. Right, yeah. yeah. So Lovey Smith, David Cully. Before him, don't we forget Romeo Cronell. Oh, right, okay. And, and, they're, 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 and their first coach lasted a while. 
Dom Capers, yeah. three years, and then it was the Kube, Gary Kubiak. Right, okay. What a what a laundry list of people. Anyway, mook out me. Okay, let's do humanoids. Uh, uh, Windsor in Coquitlam with a what we learned, silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. The Canucks aren't playing tricks on anyone. Their win one, lose one trick will put them in the wishy washy middle actually it's um, win one lose four yeah, lose of their last few. five yeah. yeah um i have to admit and i'm gonna apologize to randeep because i yelled at him um from my car today Why? or no sorry not today yesterday i was driving around and uh it was the pregame show before the winnipeg game and randeep <laughs> called this road trip a measuring stick road trip for the canucks and I actually, yeah, I was in the car by myself and I started going on a rant. Like I'm yelling. I'm like, what? we've already measured this team. There's no more measuring stick road trips for this team. Like they're, they're measured they and have- the measure is two out of 10. Yep, they have- guy driving next to you. This guy is losing yeah, it over here. Yelling at the radio. Like, <laughs> I know you're going to fill airtime, Randy, but we're all measured up on this Vancouver Canucks team. Who do you so think I apologize to, to Randeep for that. Who do you think he's talking to? His wife? His kids? No, it's the color analyst from the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. And they're not talking. Randeep's doing his show. He's just yelling at that show. By the way, I have a newfound appreciation for everything that Batch and Randeep and Sat and Bick and Dan have to oh do. Oh, my God. Because, so I was listening to the game yesterday. I was running a bunch of errands. So I'm like, oh, I'll listen to the game on Sportsnet 650. And it worked, which was amazing. The stream totally worked. It had sound. Oh, it's it awesome. Great. Good for yeah, us. yeah, it was good. Um, they were like, they would say things like, we'll talk about the Studnika play in a minute. And I was like, <laughs> I would never talk about a Studnika play in a moment, in a vacuum. Like, I don't care. People right? need to know. But people, when you're watching the game, like, those things matter. You yeah, have They're to, pros. They really are. But you have we to. We would not be pros in that position of doing play by play, pregame, postgame. We'd just be like, we're done with this with these guys. I, like, love, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I would love to hear the two of you call a Canucks game on the radio just for one night. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Just to that? see what I, I I really hope that Cam is listening and makes this happen and gives those two a night off because I want to hear you guys with zero prep going mm. into it call a Canucks game for an evening. That would be hysterical. What, what would be funnier? Even better if they lost. But I mean, good if yeah. they won too. I would be awful at the actual play-by-play. Yeah, I, I think I think Halford would do the play-by-play. Bruff would do commentary. Mm-hmm. And I mean, neither of you would really do much of anything. But it would be no. hilarious to hear it. Yeah. I really hope this happens. Just a bunch of long sighs or like... Pfft. Yeah. Why is there 30 seconds or, of dead air? I could air? do play-by-play. <laughs> One of you could go I bench side. I can hear somebody sobbing in the background. I'm not sure. I can't do... I've tried... Oh God, I want this now. I, I never try, thought about this before. I tried to do play-by-play once off a monitor. Is there audio of this? Uh, no, we had to delete the audio from existence. <laughs> I tried to do it um, once yeah. at radio school. I think too. we were breaking IOC rules. Yeah, turns the, out it's really hard. Yeah, the, it's not easy. I couldn't. No, do it. it's really difficult. I, tried it I see Bruff as a between the benches kind of guy. I see you right in the middle of the action. That's <laughs> yeah. where you want to be. Bruff's right? microphone. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot, of, a lot of swearing. One dude spit on me. <laughs> He's it's hit the mute a- button for himself. Yeah. Okay. Basketball, Phil, with what we learned, the Mariners made the playoffs. The Seahawks made the playoffs. The Kraken are on the way to making the playoff. Hey. Uh, UW has a bowl win. Now bring back the Sonics, and everything will be perfect in Seattle. Okay, we yeah, got to. You know what? That is that is softy. a really good point. Like to, Seattle, yeah, yeah. We got to book Softy Dave Softy Muller from KJR Sports Radio. What is it now? It's Seattle Sports Radio, I think. Just, I think yes. Anyway, point being, uh, we are kind of in a not golden era, but mm-hmm. the, again, I'll reiterate it. My level of um, 
contentment with the Seahawks. I don't think I've ever, and I'm not talking about. There's a difference between happiness. You know what the word and is? Contentment. You got hope. You got. You but got, it's different. You just, got hope. I do have hope. Do you, Do you know that they're going to have candidates guys, for gonna clear up defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year? Yeah. I think Kenneth Walker is probably going to win offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Tariq Woolen might be in tough against the likes of Sauce Gardner to win defensive rookie of Aiden, the year. Aiden Hutchinson, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, I mean, the fact that they've got candidates, the fact that they've got all this draft capital, including the fifth overall pick, don't get me wrong, and I think we all need to just kind of take a step back and recognize how far the Seahawks still have to go in order to become a Super Bowl-caliber type team, but there's no question that they are building something, and there is the potential there, and I think that is what differentiates... Seahawks fans right now and Canucks fans, there is a dearth of hope Yeah, yeah, yeah. For in sure. this market when it comes to the Canucks because you recognize their cap issues, the fact that they're probably going to have to move on from Bo Horvat, the fact that they're soon going to have to pay Elias Pettersson a massive contract, the fact that they're going to have to shed ca- salary um, uh, over the offseason, that's going to be tough, the fact that they don't have any prospects coming. I don't know if I mentioned that already, but like hope – is something that drives a fan base. And the issue with being in the mushy middle, which seems to be the phrase that we use with the Vancouver Canucks a lot, is that it's tough to find the hope. It's tough to find, to looking yeah. on, looking for the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, what we learned unsigned, so it must be from Gary, hashtag WWO what we learned. The World Juniors snuck up on this Canucks management group. And apparently Patrick Alvine was unable to talk at a prearranged ticket holder Q&A over the weekend. I kind of saw this making the rounds on social media. So I, I, now again, this is the story that I understand it as. Season ticket holders were granted access to a practice followed by a question and answer period with the Canucks executive. Originally, it was supposed to be Alvine, the general manager of the club. But then he was at the World Juniors in Moncton, and I believe attending to some other business not World Juniors related. And as a result, it ended up being Stan Smeal who came out to the ticket holders. And I think they were like, well, one, this isn't what we were sold. Like, right. And then two, like everyone loves Steamer, but they, no one was really clear on what sort of um, decision. He's, he's not ma- going to be able to answer the big picture question. Because he's right? not a big picture painter well, he's not he's the president not a, of hockey right, he's, yeah, he's not the so, general manager that's not his job so you know i'll just and say, he's he's not going to want to be he's not going to want to speak for those guys i'll just say this if um if you've subjected your season ticket holders to you know the on ice product for what we've seen this year you might want to try and get some of those other things a little bit more right like i, I i've said this a few times um it's been rough for anyone that's invested a lot of time, money, and effort to go to Rogers Arena um, for what what has it been, 25 games at home, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so many of them have been no-shows, 5-1 losses. I can't – I've lost track of how many. Um, just really uninspired efforts. And then I, I, I looked a little bit further. Uh, <laughs> 
outside of a handful of crazy overtime games, there's been a lot of games that they've won that haven't been close at home. Yeah. So you haven't really even had like a good finish down the stretch where it's like, ooh, this is exciting and entertaining. It's been lopsided. Well, one those way blowouts were fun though. There were there were some good nights. There are a few good nights. In I know, but I'm right just now. saying there hasn't really been a lot of close games at home. Period. This year, yes, get, Greg get, is get, waving <laughs> at me. Hi, hi. Well, hi. you guys like to go on. Hello, Rat. So I like Hello, to get your attention uh, for this season ticket holder event. Uh, does it bother you guys at least a little bit as Canucks fans that this management group seems really adverse? to even going out in controlled environments and explaining their process and explaining their vision to the fans. Yeah. They don't seem to uh, want to do that very much. Rutherford talks a lot, though. He yeah, but talked in a while, though, yeah. has he? Oh, he's probably busy. <laughs> well, when was the last time you yeah. heard them with really the break hockey, down the vision of the, the team and have team. a deep no. conversation about the moves that they're making? I, I, I don't, can't look, here's the thing. I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in. Like I get what you're saying, and, and it this is should important. be a slam dunk, easy event for them to go to. And I've seen it in other markets. Like Jeff Molson used to be very, very open and transparent with. He used to do like Twitter, Twitter Q and A's, Twitter Q and A's. Um, and I know that the Rangers were lauded for their very clear plan in the form of a letter. Um, I, sometimes that stuff does like backfire on you, right? I'll know, like I still have Gillis's letter to ticket holders. Somewhere in the archives, because I go back and laugh at it, and I'm like, he's name checking Hunter Shin Carrick. This is amazing. Yeah. Dane Fox. Dane Fox. Yeah. Like I'm like, come on. Like so when you, I, when you put it out there, you do run the risk of people just mm-hmm. dangling the receipts in your. But face, just don't right? promise it then. Yeah. Don't promise that so and so is going to be there, and then pull a last minute replacement. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's yeah, move yeah, on. For sure. For sure. Uh, Mike and Burnaby ask us anything. A rare Monday. Ask us anything. What would the Canucks be like if we undid every Benning? trade what did all those picks turn into did we do worse than doing nothing a hundred percent that is another frustrating thing about the canucks so many so many of their problems are self-inflicted whether it's the oliver ekman larson trade self-inflicted and people said don't do this the jt miller situation right now people said don't do this people said don't give Tyler Myers a lot of money. What's regarded as the worst Benning trade? I think OEL right now. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Party I mean, low. the 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 really disappointing thing. Well, the really disappointing thing is Ackman Larson. But there's many there's many elements of that that are disappointing. But we all thought that Connor Garland was going to be an effective player. Now we're sitting here going, he's he's, he's like, what's he worth? Can you give Connor Garland away? He was the guy essentially that people were like, well, that's why they threw in the first round draft pick. Right. Connor Garland's a really good player. Do you know what's crazy about the Benning era? And I was having this conversation with some friends. There were so many bad moves made by that by that uh, management group that we don't even talk about Jared McCann. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Anyway, I thought, I thought, like we don't even thought, talk about I it. I know the the and the how bad trade was bad, and like, how ba- and how badly they handled McCann. Just period. Like he never should have been in the NHL. Right off the bat, um, I realize he probably didn't have the best attitude, but maybe the Canucks were partly responsible for some of the entitlement that those young guys like McCann and Jake Furtanen felt because they were given spots in the NHL. And I still go back to Willie DeJardin's press conference and me actually asking a question at one of these press conferences when I used to go to the games. And I asked him, what is your big concern with with um, Jared McCann being in the NHL because you could tell Willie didn't want it. Willie didn't want McCann on the team. He didn't want Jake on the team. And he said, my concern or my biggest fear is that the league gets hard for him. 
And he has all this success early on. And don't forget, he was scoring quite a bit. And that's why they kept him. But the league gets hard for him. He's a young guy. And he's discouraged. And that is 1,000% what happened. Yeah, They ended up trading him for Gabranson. And listen, I'm not saying that Jared McCann is some superstar right now. But he's on pace for scoring over 30 goals with the Seattle Kraken. He had a good year last year. 27, 27 goals 50 points last season. 74 games. Pretty one-dimensional guy, though, isn't he? Yeah. 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 There was well, a, his numbers look similar to Horvath's right now. Mm-hmm. I think you they I, I do think there was an element that they soured on his personality. Oh, totally. And off ice stuff, right? Is but it take the, the sting out a, a little young bit? guy? That's that's where development comes into play. Hey, I'm not saying that. But hold on a sec. Two that. other organizations also churned through Jared McCann. So does that take the sting out a little bit? A little bit. Sure. So there the Canucks weren't the a only organization bit. that struggled to deal with Jared McCann. No. No, agreed. Agree, but I I think it is just interesting that we don't even really talk about that, and maybe that's why, maybe because he went through those organizations, Florida and Pittsburgh. Yes, he went to Pittsburgh and then right. now Seattle. Uh, Dina writes in that if we're going to do this with uh, Benning trades, we should do it with Gillis picks, and then send yeah, it would, the, Gillis's their talent identification was wild in those years. <laughs> yeah, but we've all we've all listen listen. <laughs> why do we have to pin? Why don't why do we have to pin these guys? Oh, against no, I, each other. Like, we've all said. Even Mike, you know who said it? Mike like, Gillis has said it. Our drafting was not good enough. I just like, re- I, but I just like going down memory lane. Like, some of these. Do you? I don't. I find it extremely painful. Well, we just went down it with Benning pretty good. I just, I remember um, it was at that time where everyone was talking about their great prospect pools. I remember, um, what's his name? Gallardi in Dallas used to do it all the time with the defense that they had yeah. drafted. Mm-hmm. And then, like, of the eight guys they would name check, one turned out. <laughs> and it was, like, Julius Honka or something. I don't remember. Who. Yeah. Anyway, point B, or Issa Lindell. Or Patrick something. Nemeth. Yeah. They, they were, and then I remember thinking, and that's when I was really like, okay, everyone's in love with their prospect group, and they're going to talk them up till the cows come home. But the reality is, that's when I was like, just wait till they get to the NHL. Then we can talk about how great that you drafted. Uh, Joe Bob with what we learned. Joe Bob. The Seahawks have basically no chance to beat the Niners next week. But at the same time, no one gave them any chance to make the playoffs this year. I, I can't wait for that game because I'm going into it with very little expectations. Zero expectations. Right? And, and, and I mean, I kind of joked on Twitter. as like, the Seahawks have nothing to lose except the game, of course. And their but, season but, ending. But, 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 is, but the pressure is, is 100% on the Niners because the Niners are going to be looking at this uh, NFC and going, we have a very good chance to get to a Super Bowl. You know no what, one is thinking that in Seattle. But you know the only thing that bums me out about this is that they drew San Fran. Anyone else in the first round, I'd actually have a little bit of expectation for. If there was one team mm-hmm. this year that I watched and said, oh, the Seahawks can't play with them, it was San Fran. Like Those were dominant. They, yeah. they got crushed. San Francisco's got so much talent on both sides of the ball. The Seahawks put up 20 combined points. Yeah. In the two games. Like, they just got smoked. It is very unlikely that the Seahawks win that game. It, it almost seems unlikely <laughs> that like... the game will be close. But remember, that's what we were saying before the Beastquake game. But you know what kills me, too, is, like, Gino has obviously gotten progressively worse as the season has gone on. Like, he was yes. bad on Sunday. That was a dime to lock it. Yeah, no, Unbelievable he still makes throw. throws, but yeah. it was not good. Uh, JD and Coquitlam with what we learned. Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith is the playoff quarterback matchup. All the pundits predicted in the preseason. Brock Purdy is a great story. 
And I'm very curious to see how it goes for him. Because yeah, on the one hand, you're kind of like, ah, it's unfair to put a lot of expectations on Mr. Irrelevant, the third string quarterback. And yet he has raised expectations by his play. And he also has so many weapons that he can use that you're kind of like, hey, man, I don't care if you're a rookie quarterback. Like, you cannot be the guy that screws this up. And in fact, you need to make some positive plays for us. This is such a great matchup in the first round for Brock Purdy. And the reason I say that is because what's probably the easiest way to ease Mr. Irrelevant seventh-round pick rookie quarterback in? Maybe just let your ground game do the most of the work. And what did the Seahawks have? One of the worst run defenses in all of the playoff teams Mm -hmm. that are in the field of 14. They got an injury. Jordan Brooks is done for the year with a torn ACL. They suffered another significant injury on their D-line. I think that they can come in and really just cram the ball down Seattle's throat and dare them to stop them. And then when they do that, that's when it's like, let's make Purdy's life easier, play action, simple screen passes. Like I Again, I'm super happy the Seahawks made it. Nine and eight's a great accomplishment. This is one of the better coaching jobs of Pete Carroll's career, to be honest. But, you know, I just I can't I, I have a hard time seeing it in any way, shape, or form. Kevin and Maple Ridge. Okay. Another ask us anything. Yeah. Which we'll allow once in a while. Yeah. If they're good ones. Do you think that Rutherford and Alvine properly understood A, how bad the Canucks were, and B, how invested and engaged the fan base is. Okay, I'm not going to comment on how bad the Canucks were because I, I honestly don't know. I don't have okay. – I just I, – I I have trouble getting a handle on what management actually thinks. Agreed. Because sometimes their words don't match up with their actions. I would not be surprised one bit if Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin didn't appreciate why the fan base was frustrated. From some of their, from some of their comments, it seemed to be like – yeah, the fan base is frustrated because we haven't seen the playoffs for a while. Yeah, but it's deeper than that. Yep. It it's is. not just the lack of playoffs. It's how the team has gone about its business over the last decade. They walked into a hornet's nest. I think maybe they were expecting like a couple of I think they thought I th- no, I think I think <laughs> they knew that it was a Canadian market and then it was going to be engaged, but I don't know if they did the proper assessment, if that's what you need to do about why the fan base was frustrated, like specifically, and that being that the Canucks never properly rebuilt and that they were impatient. It's not just the Canadian market. The management like, group was impatient. I think it was like, like the fan base wasn't impatient. Yeah, like, the fan base was saying, be patient. Yeah. And the management group was sitting there going, no, we, we you know, like I, I'm not a patient guy. Or that's why, what? That's why this is a like, team we could turn around in a hurry. got traded. Or, or that's why they acquired Gabranson. Yeah. Like I remember. Benning going on the radio actually in Toronto and saying like we felt that we owed our fan base this like we needed to do something to improve the team now and I'm kind of like no you got it backwards be patient do something methodical you don't owe me anything yeah don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah like I don't be think bad for a bit have long term vision I don't think uh, gauging the temperature of the market is something that these guys like put it high on the priority chart coming in they got maybe they think they're above they it. Or, or are they just like, I don't have time to do the research? I think that there's probably an element of, oh, it's like this, when they thought it was going to be maybe like that. If the, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a shock, but it's definitely not how they expect it to be. And I think that's where we're at right now. It's a frustrated fan base. 
which is going to be back tomorrow, game day. It's the Canucks and the Penguins tomorrow. We'll be back to set up the narratives for the day, as we like to do here. But for now, we got to get out of here. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.